Hello and welcome to another episode of A Slice of Health, the Candid Health Chat podcast, where we slice away health truth from health fiction. Join me and my friends as we challenge common health myths via chit chat, powered by several cups of coffee. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media and do visit us at a sliceofhealth.club. Let's get to today's episode. Hello champions, welcome back to another episode. On today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Dami of Durham Corner and we're going to be talking about acne. Hello Dami. Hi Mo, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming on on today's episode. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So tell us a lot about yourself. Um, right, so I am a dermatology registrar. Um, I'm working in the south of the country. Um, Prior to doing this job, I worked as a clinical fellow in dermatology in London. Um, And yeah, like I enjoy what I do. And I'm Nigerian. And yeah, not really sure what else you want to know. (laughs) That's awesome. And what do you do in your free time when you're not doing medicine? All right, so free time, I I quite enjoy reading. So I love reading um, fiction, non-fiction, love magazines as well. And prior to COVID, like, I really, really love traveling. Yeah, so it's been a bit of a bummer having to stay put. But, you know, what can you do? (laughs) And where do you want to go once COVID is over and you're free to travel? Oh, gosh, where where would I want? I mean, Brazil has been on my list for a long, long time, so... I will want to go there, but it's really important for things to be settled over there because they've had it really bad. They have, yes. Yeah. yeah they've definitely struggled like, quite significantly with everything yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. So hopefully their numbers will start coming down soon, fingers crossed. So I really do. I really do. It's a country very dear to my heart. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so we're talking about acne today. Um, mm-hmm. I think if, you know, acne is one of these things that affects quite a lot of people and you know even if you know a person has never been affected by acne they know at least mm. one person who has struggled with it or is still struggling with it even in adulthood um yeah. so tell us a bit about acne right so acne is a very very common skin condition it's probably one of the most common skin conditions that we see um especially for people who are quite young teenagers early 20s you know it tends to plague that age group and i think about 80 percent of people in that age group will get acne so it's really common um however the thing is when we get older most people actually grow out of it but there would be a small subset of people that will continue to have acne even into adulthood and i find in that older age group, sometimes it can be quite difficult to, to get a grip, to get a hold of, to manage um, the acne. And we think it might be related to hormones in the older age group. In terms of acne itself and what causes it, it's very, very multifactorial, meaning there's a lot of things that contribute to people getting acne. Um, we know that there's genes involved. Um, your environment can also be involved as well. Um, obviously, the ability of your skin to produce oil or sebum affects, you know, how severe your acne um, can get. And I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, diet and acne, and there's not much evidence, um, with the exception of um, dairy and high GI or very high sugary foods in some people 
who are genetically predisposed that way. So there would be some people that would eat all the sugary stuff in the world and not have a single spot. But on the other hand, you will have people that would just have, you know, something really sugary and they start to break out. So it's really, really complex. We don't have all the answers, um, but those are just a few, a few, a few things. Yeah, and it's really great that you touched on diet because I think that is something that significantly affects the way people perceive acne and also yeah. um, a lot of myths around acne. And it's really great how you touched on dairy mm. and you know foods with a high glycemic index as well. Yeah. And in terms of people who, let's say, you know, they're struggling with acne and especially sort of, you know, uh, people in their mid-twenties who've got, you know, mm. I've gone through the awkward teen phase um, yeah. and, you know, now I, want to, now I want to enjoy my young adulthood, but I'm still struggling mm. with acne. What mm. advice would you tell them if they wanted to go down, perhaps trying a diet route to see if it's something in what they're eating? Okay, so I think for me, diet would come a lot like would would come a bit lower down in the priority, just because we know it's not everyone that is affected by diet, and it's really important to not um, limit people and force people to you know come off eating this and eating that and things that they enjoy. You know, it's a matter of if you find that you've noticed something, then yes, you may want to you know, reduce your sugary intake. But if you haven't noticed any clear link, then I wouldn't start advising people to deprive themselves of, you know, of certain foods. But the main thing really is, okay, you need to get your acne seen by a professional. And the way it works in the UK is you go to your GP, your GP should be able to manage mild and moderate acne. And when it's, you know, when it's still being a problem then they usually refer to tertiary care so in tertiary care or in you know dermatologists we oftentimes would get people who who you know who usually have about like moderate acne the gp has tried a few antibiotics it's still not getting better and then they come to us so it's really important to go through the right channels there are a million products online you know in the shops that you can get but it's really really important that you're using something that actually works that has the right ingredients and the right concentration. A lot of things that you will get over the counter can be helpful, but they would be a much weaker concentration. So they're usually good for those with mild acne. Once it's got into the moderate severe form, you absolutely must see a professional. Yeah, and it's great how you said in terms of noticing your own body and the way your body responds to certain things. And I think most people are actually aware that, you know, when I do eat this, I, I have these kinds of symptoms or my skin acts in certain ways. And it's so important to listen to your own body as opposed to sort of jumping on whatever new fad there is in terms mm -hmm. of diet restriction, um, because that, that then also comes with its own problems. And, you know, the, the, you know, the kind of restrictions that we put ourselves under can also affect our mental health in significant Absolutely. ways as well. So mm -hmm. if we were to talk about sort of acne from the beginning, and I, I love how you said in terms of mild, moderate to severe, and mm -hmm. also the scarring that then comes with um, untreated acne or quite se severe acne. So if we were to yeah. start from mild, mild acne, what kind yeah. of advice um, should we give to people in terms of treating their acne or, you know, even okay. over the counter things that they can get from a pharmacy mm -hmm. or a store? 
Okay. Yeah. So the way I like to go about it is actually to think of what is happening in the skin. Yeah. Um, so basically, acne is a problem that affects our pores. Um, in medical terms, we call it the pilosebaceous unit or the hair follicle. So if you look down a hair follicle, there's usually an oil gland attached to it. So what happens in acne is you get an overproduction of the cells within the top part of that hair follicle. And you can imagine if those cells are producing within that very small space, it's likely to cause a blockage. In addition to that, um, people that have acne usually have a very overactive oil gland. So all of that oil is being you know, discharged from the oil gland and it's getting stuck and mixed up with all those cells at the very top of the hair follicle or your pore. So when you have you know, that blockage, we usually call that a comedone. And it can either be an open comedone or a closed comedone, which is commonly known as um, whiteheads and blackheads. So typically when you have a whitehead, it's just like a little bump on the skin um, or tiny little bumps, because usually more than one. And when you have a blackhead, it's usually because the top part of that open follicle is being oxidized by the air. So it just changes the color and it turns black. So for that type of acne, it's really important to use um, the right medicines that would help to um, almost like decongest or unclog that blockage that you see there. So we know drugs like um, your retinols are very good for that, your salicylic acid and glycolic acid to a lesser degree, you know, they're quite good at helping to get rid of that excess debris, if you want to call it that. So that's usually your mild acne. Um, other drugs like um, over-the-counter face washes, your benzoyl peroxide um, washes or creams can also be quite helpful. Um, so moving on to the um, moderate acne. So we're going to go back into the hair follicle and see what's happening. So you can imagine where you have that blockage. If the oil gland still keeps on, you know, churning out all that oil, you know, there's only so much space. And so that hair follicle starts to expand because it can't really, you know, that there's nowhere else for the oil to go. And when it starts expanding, it creates this, you know, this area where there's all this nice, juicy, warm oil, which the bacteria likes. And so you get a bunch of bacteria that then comes into this area because the sebum is like food, sebum and oiler. I'm going to use those words interchangeably. And so that's when you start getting your inflammatory acne because you have a lot of bacteria under the skin within that hair follicle. Now, if there's bacteria in our skin, our body's immune system is going to do something about it. So in the initial stages, you know, you'd have your, you know, your white blood cells and your other inflammatory cells going there to try and get rid of that bacteria. So clinically, what does that look like? So clinically, this is where you get your typical pimple or what we like to call a papule. Um, so you would find that, that those little bumps on the skin then become quite red to show that there is a bit of inflammation going on. Now, in some cases, you can have a bit of pus coming out. That's why we call those pustules. Some people call those pimples as well. Um, and that usually is a sign that the acne has gone from being mild to moderate and quite inflammatory. So if you think about it, 
um, you have bacteria that's triggering and making the acne worse. So how are you going to treat it? You need to get rid of that bacteria by using antibiotics. Um, so when if it's really mild, you can get away with using antibiotic creams for the acne. Um, however, I have to add that we're using antibiotic creams. It's important to use them with benzoyl peroxide because that helps to reduce the antibiotic resistance. Because when we use antibiotics over a period of time, my body gets used to it and they just don't work anymore. So that's for the cream part. Now, if you find that it's quite a lot. So you're having loads of pimples, you know, there's loads of pus in more than one area in the face. Then you might want to consider antibiotic tablets, which your GP will be able to provide for you. So that's what we call moderate acne. Now, finally, I'm going to move on to the next stage, which is your severe acne. And if we go back into the hair follicle to see what's happening, it's basically just a much more aggressive inflammation that's happening so your body maybe initially it sends like five white cells to go there and calm things down and it's like okay this isn't calming down we need to send you know more special forces to go there and so you have this massive massive inflammation that's happening and in some cases what can even happen is that you get a rupture underneath the skin you know and that just causes more and more inflammation so clinically what does that look like so clinically, you would see nodules or almost cysts in the skin. So these look like pimples that are just, you know, three, four, five times the size of normal pimples. So they're much, much bigger. They can be very painful. You know, if you can see the redness, then you find that they would be quite red. Usually when acne is really severe at this stage, um, you can still try with some antibiotics. You know, that can help in some cases. As dermatologists, we don't even like to play. We just go straight for isotretinoin, which is which basically has been like a wonder drug for acne. And isotretinoin is such a fantastic drug, um, which I must add can only be prescribed by a dermatologist. And there needs to be a lot of monitoring with the drug because there are lots of side effects. But why we like this drug is it targets those four, um, those four stages in the acne. So it helps to get rid of that um, that um, plug of excess cells, you know, mixed in with all the oil, it helps with that. It helps to, it helps with the oil glands by making them less productive. So they're not going to be producing as much oil as they previously were. It also is antibacterial. So it gets rid of all those bacterial cells that are there. And finally, it's very good anti-inflammatory. So it literally targets all those four stages. So that's generally how we approach acne. I'm glad that you touched on um, the use of isotretinoin in terms of um, managing moderate to severe acne and, you know, its effectiveness mm. in clearing out the skin. And I was also going to touch on that as well, because I've encountered quite a few people who purchase it online, perhaps because they can't get an appointment with a dermatologist here or they've been mm. waiting list for a while. What advice would you give to people who are in the habit of getting these kind of drugs online or purchasing them from abroad? Right. So the first thing I'd say is these drugs, yes, they work really, really well. But in as much as they work really well, they can have a lot of side effects. And so if you're taking these drugs without medical advice and you end up getting a really severe side effect, 
um, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Unfortunately, dryness, they notice their lips are dry, their skin is dry. Most people can deal with that. Um, but in the hospital setting, we check um, blood tests on a regular basis because we know that this drug can affect your kidneys. It can affect your um, cholesterol levels, which can send it really, really high. And there's no way of monitoring some of those markers if somebody was just getting these medicines you know, off of the internet. How do you monitor for that? How do you know that you're not going into liver failure? How do you know that your cholesterol isn't skyrocketing? You know, so it's really, really important. Um, and as well, there have been a few reports here and there um, of isotretinoin affecting the mood. And so before we start patients and the drug, we have to do uh, like a mood assessment to make sure they're not struggling with, you know, suicidal ideations or um, depression, you know, because the worst thing that could happen is that you take this drug and you already have, you know, known psychological issues and, you know, and maybe for some reason you get pushed over the edge, you know, so it's really, really important to do things in a very safe manner. Um, and it's, and another thing that we do, every patient on isotretinoin is part of a pregnancy prevention program. And we know for sure that if you have a child whilst you're on this drug, that child will come out deformed. You know, so it's an absolute no-no. And so we would check pregnancy tests on a regular basis, in fact, on a monthly basis, you know, whilst patients are on this drug. And people buying the drugs over the counter, you know, sometimes, like, you, I, I don't know if they're aware of the side effects. I don't know if they're aware of the risks and the harms that they're putting themselves in. And even when we start the drug, there's a specific way as doctors that we um, dose the drug you know, we know what dose to start, we know how to increase it, you know, but if you're just taking it off the counter, or I'm sorry, not even counter, if you're just buying it off the internet, how do you know what dose you're going to use? You know, so it's really, really important. People should do things the right way. People should do things the safe way. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, we only have one life and it's best to, that we protect ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it's amazing that you touched on that, as, you know, especially the teratogenicity of um, mm. you know, it's it's very well documented, and you know it's something that we encourage that people go on, you know, quite effective long term contraception before before the treatment starts. Mm. And a few yeah. months ago, probably a few months ago, actually, we had um, Dr. Uju of Belfiore on, and she was talking about you know steroid steroid acne, especially in you know, mm. the bleaching creams in yeah. in the dark skin population. What can you say mm. about sort of the use of, you know, especially testosterone and steroid tablets in maybe you know people who are looking for muscle building regimes who then mm. with quite significant acne because I've, I've quite encountered quite a few of those and they don't tend to respond so well in some situations with with um, oral antibiotic regimes and you know, they do tend to have quite significant acne, mm. unfortunately, once they go on, once they go on those kind of um, treatment plans for their, for their muscle building. Yeah, something, obviously, first things first, if something is causing the problem, it's important to get rid of it. Um, so people that are taking testosterone, whatever medication it is, they need to stop it. They absolutely need to stop it. And then depending on, once again, on the severity of the acne, then we will decide 
you know, what works best. And from the sounds of it, usually people that have steroid-induced acne, um, particularly testosterone and all these bodybuilding-induced type acne, you know, some, it sounds like they would probably benefit from isotretinoin, which once again, you know, has to be done in a safe and controlled manner. Yeah. That's great. And you mentioned something as well at the beginning when you were talking about sebum production and, you know, oiliness on the hair mm -hmm. follicle levels as well. What would you say about the use of, you know, people getting quite significant forehead acne as a result of the hair oils that they use or mm. the oiliness of their fringe or, you know, in, in yeah. the black population, perhaps oiliness of a wig or oil that they yeah. use in the natural hair. Does that also play a role in, in acne? Yeah, it does. Um, so previously, they, well, it's still a, a thing. Um, there used to be something called pomade acne. Um, it's, we don't see it as commonly as we used to, and it's from all the kind of petroleum-y based hair products that people used to use, especially um, ethnic minorities. Um, on, let me not use that word, black people, um, <laughs> on the kind of on the front of the hairline. You know, and that tends to cause a very, very, um, it's a very comedonal type of acne. Um, so obviously in that situation, stop using the product, look for an alternative and, you know, get the right treatment that you need. Now for people that are wearing wigs, um, the good thing with wigs is obviously you can take them off at the end of the day. I would strongly advise um, probably wearing a different style. So instead of a fringe, which is going to cause a lot of friction, you know, it's going to cause a bit of overheating within that area, maybe a bit more oil production, you know, switch to a different style, a center part that you could probably, you know, pack at the back of the head so that there's nothing, you know, obstructing that forehead area. Um, now, I don't know if there's been any kind of studies done into, you know, the types of hair used in these wigs, maybe like synthetic versus human hair to see if that affects um, how people get acne. I, I don't know. But I would just say alter the hairstyle. If you can wear your hair in its natural state, I know not everyone can, but if you can, then I mean, do, do, do try that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And so I'm just gonna jump into sort of a rapid fire round, um, trying to bust a few myths about acne now that we've got quite a bit of understanding in terms of the mm. pathophysiology of it, you know, presentation and the things that we can do in terms of treating it medically. So there are yeah. two um, bits of bobs that we've got here. So the first one is, is acne caused by dirt? No, <laughs> acne is not caused by dirt. And I know a lot of people think this way and they end up washing and scrubbing their faces yeah, yeah. multiple times a day. And that just exacerbates the problem and makes it worse. So like we kind of touched on in the beginning, you know, a lot of things that are causing acne is actually coming from the inside of the skin. It's coming from within. You know, it's not necessarily coming from outside. Now, obviously, yeah, there are times you could use products that, you know, block the hair follicle, uh, the hair follicle opening. So what I would recommend is, you know, not, do, do not use things that would cause like a lot of blockage. And oftentimes with your cosmetic products, some products are known to be um, non-comedogenic. So you definitely want to use those types of products. But dirt doesn't cause acne. Uh, you don't need to wash your face more than twice a day. And it's really important that in washing your face, you're using a mild, gentle cleanser. All these apricot scrubs and all these really harsh, 
you know, soaps or products, you don't need to use those. Go for something mild and that should help. That's great. And the next one is, does stress cause acne? Yeah, so there have been a few studies done looking at stress and acne and there is a positive correlation. Um, I think some of the studies looked at um, exam taking students and they found that they tended to have more acne around the time of their exams in comparison to, you know, when they didn't have any exams. And if you look at the oil gland itself, there are actually um, stress receptors on the oil glands. So that um, kind of points in that direction. So yeah, stress can cause acne. Yeah, and a positive spin, if, if, if you could call it a positive spin, is if you know that you break out in acne when you're stressed, then it tells you that you need to change something, you know. So, so yeah, there's definitely been a link, yeah. yeah. And um, the next one is, can popping my pimples make it disappear? <sighs> no, no, please don't pop your pimples. I know the urge is really, really strong. But just as strong as that urge is, I would strongly advise just to leave it alone. Because the thing is, popping the pimple can do two things. So number one, yes. So if you pop the pimple, you're going to, you know, push out all of that pus and all of that gunk, which, as we spoke about in the beginning, contains a lot of acne bacteria. So as you pop it, number one, you're going to be spreading it without realizing, you know, to other parts of the hair follicle. Um, as should I say, surrounding hair follicles. Um, the second thing as well, particularly in people with darker skin types, you know, that action of popping the pimple causes a lot of trauma to the skin, can actually cause more inflammation and can also make the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation worse. Now, in some people, that could even lead to scarring. So you end up having a far bigger problem you know, than you had when the spot was just there by itself without being interrupted by our fingers. So strongly, strongly advise, just leave it alone. Do not pop it. Yeah. That's great. And um, the next one is, can the sun help clear my acne? Um, so there are a lot more. Um, so we've done a lot of studies looking at these different drugs, and we know that these drugs work. So I would, I would always recommend that we use the right medication for acne. However, there have been a few reports here and there about how the sun can potentially, you know, make acne a bit better. And there have even been some of these um, low-level light treatments for acne. Now, it's, uh, I, I, I still wouldn't recommend it. And the reason, especially for people with darker skin, is, you know, People that have acne in darker skin tones are very prone to getting post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Those are those, you know, dark brown or black spots that you see in areas where you've had the acne. So if you're staying out in the sun, those marks are going to get even darker. And then you end up having a, a bigger problem that you started off with. So I'm not a proponent for, you know, sun treatments or whatever it's called. Um, there are medications that we know that work. There have been loads of studies done. You know, let's let's use what we know works. Yeah, that is amazing, and I'm really glad that you know you touched on you know going back as well in terms of knowing your own body and identifying the things that are exacerbating factors for you. Because you know the mm -hmm. things that exacerbate my acne might not be the thing that exacerbates the acne of the person next to me, or even the person that yeah. lives in the same household um, as mm -hmm. myself as well. 
Um, yeah. We've come to sort of the end of the episode, but if you were to give our listeners a championship point. Right. So the one thing that I will recommend is to don't try and manage it on your own using YouTube remedies and all of that. <laughs> yeah. It's really important to, to see, to see a professional. Yeah. Yeah. Because the worst thing that can happen with acne is scarring. And when acne gets to that stage where it's scarred, it's, there's, there's very little you can do to reverse it back to normal skin. Yes, some cosmetic treatments can help, but it's never going to take it back to 100%. So you want to get your acne treated as early as possible using the right um, medication. And so it's really important. Don't start experimenting with all these fads left, right, and center. See a professional. Get the right treatment at the right time and to prevent scarring. That's yeah. fantastic. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Dami. And if our listeners wanted to find you online, where should they find you? Uh, so you can find me on The Derm Corner. Yeah, so that is T H E D E R M C O R N E R, The Derm Corner. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Dami, for coming on today's episode. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Do share this podcast with two people who have not heard about us before. Remember that this podcast in no way replaces advice from your own doctor or physician. Do subscribe and follow us on social media. Leave us a review on iTunes so that others can access the amazing content. And do join the club at asliceofhealth.club and drop us some suggestions or questions that you might have. Don't forget to be a health champion wherever you go by separating health fact from health fiction.